Hello and welcome to the COVG podcast. <laughs> Not the COVG. Was that an accident that time or like part of That was an accident this time again. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. How is I, I I was looking at my LinkedIn for some reason and it reminded me that it's been three years and seven months since we started the podcast. Therefore, the fact that you just made that mistake after three years and seven months. TOVG is is a relic. It's it's uh it's, it's old times. Before, before so much, before so much has happened. The before years. times. Yeah. Was there yeah, ever a before I, times before dads? It's weird to think. I, yeah. I I I I feel like like it's proof that we've been around for for too long. Things have changed too much. We're in a different world than. Oh, so this is the last then. episode. <laughs> oh, oh, d- but, but, uh, no. hello okay, well, and like, welcome think about... to the last episode of Dan. No, <laughs> don't but, like, do it. Think about how much has changed in the online landscaping since then. I, I we were doing that in 2014, 13. I remember some very big movements in gaming culture happening later that year. Uh, a year and a half after that, you had Logan Paul filming The Corpse. Uh, <laughs> a half year to a year after that was the Trump campaign. Oh, man. I mean, I just double-checked. Uh, you guys did 138 episodes of the TOVG podcast. Well, I don't know if you two specifically, but that's how many exist. And yeah, the fact we that we this is, what, episode 165 of Danson's? Mm-hmm. I've outlasted them all. In that lifespan, we had Disney uh, buy out Maker Studios and then close Maker Studios. In the times that we've been around, like I, that pretty much does encompass the career and the lives and times of Total Biscuit. So much has changed since TOVG. I, yeah. I feel like we're in a different world than than then. That tends to be what yeah. happens when time moves forward, marches onwards. <sighs> Yes, yes. Even since even since we started this, I mean, so much has changed. And uh one of the the big news topic this week is is oh. a- absolutely about that, about uh, uh media personalities and the media landscape changing and and moving and Oh yeah. And the future being unpredictable and and sometimes scary. Hmm. Speaking of scary. <laughs> Speaking of video game podcasts <laughs> that are not scary but talk about somewhat scary things i've been playing resident evil i think matt has too. you guys you guys have been playing resident evil yeah i don't know what's going on with matt's camera but it's almost as scary as resident evil 8 this connection <laughs> is uh as strong as the the story in resident evil 8 no, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you, you start. I think you've you've definitely played more than me. You definitely played more than me. Yeah. So I don't know how much we want to touch on spoilers here. I'll try to keep right. it as spoilers light as possible because I know George will eventually want to play it, and you know it's yeah. only coming out. But Matt, if yeah. I say just finish the mill, do you do you know what that means? Uh, you're, or you're ahead. Yeah, you're ahead. I just finished the baby. Okay. The baby. So, so oh fuck that fucking baby <laughs> oh my god so the sound the sound Ugh. 
Oh, so it's a, a scary baby. It's a scary baby. I was wondering all, if it was a funny I'm not baby. Say anything. Yeah. Well, there's, there's funniness to it. I, see, I didn't think the game was scary. The game was, wasn't really scary up until that point. Yeah. It's up like. Up until that point, it was just like, it keeps changing. I feel the game starts off kind of right. unnerving and scary. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of starts as Resident Evil 7 sort of meant to carry on. And then it descends into, essentially, Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 4 kind of levels of scary campness. Um, <laughs> like, oh, where to start? I mean, okay, I, not, I don't want to do too many spoilers, but let's talk a little bit about Lady Dimitres. And oh, yes. I can't wait to hear what, what scenes she has. I am going to throw it out there and say that the marketing behind this game is one of the smartest marketing campaigns I've ever heard of. Because say hello to Lady Dimitres. Then very quickly say goodbye to Lady Dimitres. Yeah. <laughs> wait, really? <laughs> there were jokes about that. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she'll transform into a final boss monster or something later. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it, but Aww. the game is a lot more than just Lady Dimitres <laughs> and her daughters. The daughters very much get the rough end of the stick here because I walked into the boss fights with the daughters without even realizing it, killed them thinking they were going to return, and they didn't return. Yeah, that. that <laughs> I think I think that section there is just like really like, I don't know, like kind of, kind of easy and... A little mm, dumb. Yeah. The castle, which is where Lady Dimitres is, everyone knows this because we've seen it in all the marketing. Like, I think we could talk a little bit about them specifically because they're so heavily in the marketing, right? But don't be fooled. <laughs> it is not what you think in any way, shape, or form. Fair play to them. They used horniness to their power uh, amazingly, uh, and it worked. Yeah. Um, but the game is uh, not really anything like that. But the castle is. It's Resi it's Resi 1 to me. I really enjoyed that section of the game, even though it is quite easy. It was a lot of like it's it reminds me a lot of Resi 2 remake. There's a lot of backtracking. There's a lot of like going through, doing little puzzles, you know, defeating some enemies, and, and you know, exploring a place. Like that section of the game with Le- Lady Dimitres is like Resi 1, Resi 2 remake to me. And I enjoyed that because they're the games I like from the Resident Evil series. I don't particularly enjoy Seven very much. Really, I think it is quite scary. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like the survival horror, not the horror, pure horror aspect, right? PT and stuff like that, like great experiences, but they're not kind of enjoyable games to me. Yeah, they were. I well, I love Resident Evil Four, and I really liked like Resi Two Remake because it was a, a hybrid of like that and Resident Evil Four. Uh, and I feel like the castle section and some of the sections of this lead into that a lot. Like it becomes quite Resi Four ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's an inventory system. I don't remember it being an inventory system. In I love seven. the inventory system. <laughs> I love it. I was it. like, I was like, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> I was like, I no, I don't play. I didn't play seven for this bullshit. <laughs> I love, I love it. I love it. Um. But yeah, which tells you it's more action oriented, right? It is. You can upgrade the inventory. It's not. It's not as stupid as a. Uh, you know, you don't yeah. have limited save slots or some yeah. stupid. Yeah, George was like right. That. The Duke, he's great. The Duke is cool. I like the Duke. Merchant. Yeah. Enjoy your adventure. 
The Juke, he he's has, cool. He has a bigger role than... Yeah, yeah. he does. I, and I always want Ethan to walk up to him and just be like, how the fuck did you get here? Like, yeah, I, I always, every time I walk up to him, I'm hoping that Ethan will say, like, every time he appears, how the fuck did you get here? Because with the merchant, you could at least imagine in Resident Evil 4, he walks around with that torch protecting himself. Whereas the Duke, larger than life guy, let's put, let's put it out there. That's one way of saying on a, it. On a carriage, um, but somehow gets himself into these tiny ass rooms in the middle of like, extreme danger <laughs> like what the hell i swear they know like like absolutely all complaints about about the combat and the level design aside the most fun part of the demo was seeing how silly and and knowingly self-aware fun and stupid and horny these character designs are and and the dialogues between the duke and ethan were so great because he almost gets there like the duke will give you a gameplay hint and ethan will be like how do you know that i don't know i'm just gonna accept it anyway yeah like like it feels like it's constantly teetering on the edge of going full fourth wall breaking and i i I really enjoy that about the new resident evils like they know how cheesy it is so i'm not sure what was in the demo i'm guessing you're in the castle george where, where were you in the demo I, I did both chapters of the demo. They they call it a village demo and a castle demo, and they were both just about like 20, 30 minute segments. Okay, so you're the first part of the game then, essentially. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I okay. might have, probably. So I'm not going to complain because action and campsite, I'm actually having a blast. I really, I really like it. I like the game a lot. It's, it is Resident Evil. It's like so Resident Evil formulaic. It's not mm. seven, but it, you know, it, it, tries a little bit to capture what seven did in terms of like it's definitely not seven it's not seven though if you were expecting it even though it continues on it's far more uh atypical of a resident evil game it reminds me so much of four and two um i'm I'm a little sad that it's not seven to be honest i'm not i'm loving it (laughs) fuck seven (laughs) like i know it's a great game but i'm like Seven has one of the best moments, man. And and this one just lacks that shit, man. It lacks a lot of that shit. It does lack, um, what would you say? Like, the enemies, I don't really give a fuck about them, man. I don't like the lichens. They, no. They, like, they don't, don't scare me, but they... Like, it's not, not to say it's not a fun game. It's just... They annoy it's me. Just like, yeah, it's just like... Some of these characters, like, I don't know, it's just not, it's not up to the caliber of, like, homeboy getting a car and trying to run you over in a garage. Like, it just <laughs> does not reach that at all. Not even a little bit. Ethan is having a bad day. I've yeah. never known any man voice to ever. sucks. <laughs> his, his poor hands. The how poor- does he still have hands? How does he like, have a body? all this. He gets stabbed constantly. Okay, that that has to be a joke or he's something, right? He's got to have this mold thing in him, right? From Resident Evil yeah. 7 or something. Yeah. And that's keeping him alive, right? They they make a point out of it in 7 in the beginning. Daddy infects you with the, the mold stuff and then starts yeah. sawing your limbs off just for fun to show you it works. Yeah. Oh, Ethan's having a rough time, but he gets he gets quite gristled as he goes along. He's like, "Oh, fucking sons of a bitches!" Like <laughs> he's so annoyed. Oh, these self incompetent pricks! <laughs> it is quite funny. 
I, I don't know. I'm I'm having a good time with it, actually. Yeah. I, I don't think it's the best Resident Evil. I don't think it's particularly a... I saw a lot of 9 out of 10s and stuff. I wouldn't go that far. It's not like yeah. that. But I am having a good time. It's, it's because it's it's the inventory system. Like, oh my god, it's nostalgia. Like, the people are going fucking nuts. I bought all of the expansions, like, as soon as I Me could. Too. And yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. needed to rearrange anything. You get so much money. You get so much money. You do. Like, all the crystal skulls and stuff that you can sell. Like I'm a bit annoyed that... The weapon upgrades are not like as to the extent of Resident Evil 4 where you literally could just pump all your money into your handgun and then make your handgun really powerful. And you could do those kind of game breaking things. You can't do that in this, uh, which I don't like. Um, But I do enjoy the choice and and the game offering you like, oh, do you like the handgun? Then you can upgrade it and spend all your money on the handgun instead. Um, Yeah, but but like, don't don't do that, guys. Don't don't do that. Put it into the shotgun. Because the handgun just doesn't... It, because you get limited ammo. And you can only buy limited ammo from the Duke. You see, he gets sold out. So you have to find everything. Like, it's a limited ammo for everything. I, so how are you playing? Because I'm literally looking for everything. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sad. It's satisfying to, to find these things. It's very satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It is kind of satisfying, isn't it? Yeah. Because you open it like, oh, a little attachment. Because sometimes the Duke sells the attachments. Sometimes you got to find that attachment. Yeah, you have to find that shit. I just found yeah. one that upgraded my handgun by to like 20 bullets around oh, so yeah, before yeah, reloading. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. The shotgun is amazing, though. The shotgun is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only I had enough bullets. <laughs> if you're uh, coming for story. <laughs> yeah. To a Resident uh, Evil game. Yeah, but you yeah, think about seven, that. right? You're trying to find out what the fuck's going on. You know, even in like four is this campy, gotta find the president's daughter. And you meet all these kind of crazy cast of characters, right? Like you you remember the characters from Resident Evil 4 really strongly. Honestly, and I mean this wholeheartedly, even though I'm enjoying the game, you find out more about Lady Dimitres and her daughters in the advertising of the <laughs> game than you do in the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can read a lot of notes if you like that type of shit, but I definitely don't. It's not great. Like, it's not great. she's meant to be a vampire. When the fuck does it ever tell you she's a vampire? She doesn't have teeth. That she has just like long fingernails. Like, I'm, I'm, and her daughters all look the same. I, I, I don't know. Like, it was, it was a thing. Like, I don't know. The game does not do character development very well, especially considering you think how much the marketing was pushing these characters. Like, they're nowhere near like little Napoleon from Resident Evil Four, right? Or Salazar, or like what's his name, Lewis, the Spanish dude, or all of these campy great characters that you meet and then you have radio chats with and they really builds up like some form of relationship with these characters, even if they're villains. Even the guy with the big long coat and the beard that turns into that weird scorpion spider in the burning barn in Resident Evil 4 had more character development than Lady Dimitres and her daughters. It is kind of weird how they pushed it. Like, mm-hmm. that is really interesting. Like, how they pushed been, it. Like, further down the line of stuff. Well, yeah, you expect do. it to be the main character, right? Like, because the other, <laughs> the other people are not interesting. I'm only interested in what happened in the beginning 
and how that's going to play into a lot of the stuff. That is all I'm a whole what like what's yes, going on with Chris is all I'm because I've seen Chris time, once, yeah. and that's the thing is like I think I'm seventy five percent of the way through the game, and I've seen Chris once. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> I was uh, playing the demo in front of a friend who watched it, and they asked a question that I was so used to it never even occurred to me, and that is, why are the villagers wearing old-timey medieval clothes? I remember in Resident Evil 4, like, like, I don't think they actually explained that. It's just an old European village. Yeah, I, (laughs) I think that still happens, actually. The old European villages are out there still, yeah. and the people aren't going to yeah. look like that, though, are they? I, did, I don't yeah. know. Old farmers in, like, a Romanian village or something. Yeah. Like, I think this takes place in Romania. What about the Amish? Have you seen the Amish? They just still dress the same. Yeah, it's like a, a, a tiny, small slice. You, you would know well, you're in you Amish territory. Whole... You wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, I'm in a... An isolated American <laughs> northeastern village, dude. Amish liking mm. Americans—that would be scary. I—I I mean, I remember in the village in RE4, like they're using wooden wheelbarrows. The the houses are rickety and falling apart. It's handmade construction. Like the you 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 cross a threshold where the modern world just gets left behind. Dude, white people can do anything, man. They can buy a bunch of land and just have their own little cult out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> oh, they can it's get, like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. They, they can get protected by yes. a white woman named yes. Miranda. Mother Miranda who Mother protects Miranda. them all. They all pray to Mother Miranda. <laughs> I, I liked how um, they, they had like real religious iconography in the demo when you saw like, like uh, uh, Virgin Mary but all scratched out with Mother Miranda drawn on top of her. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm still having a good time. I still uh, like same, the game same. a lot. Same. Um it's definitely one of my favorite games so far of this year. It's not really? perfect okay. by any means, and it lacks a lot of things. Like the puzzles are really not great. I mean I mean, yo, the doll puzzle one. was right. The doll yeah, puzzle there's was one fine. the baby puzzle is one yes. is the yes. one. All this it's all the this one. baby. The, doll puzzle. the yeah, baby yeah. is Okay, I don't. I'm just gonna say, baby, because I don't think you can think of what happens. But that section is the horror part of the game, like, yes. and that is good. It's almost PT esque. Yeah. You, you, oh, yeah. That reminds me. You see how they pixelate things from farther back, and it kind of fix it, fix itself no. when it gets closer. They do some type what? of trick, like because- the lod, the lod detailing. There's yeah. a lot of pop in. I've noticed a lot a of technical lot. stuff with yeah. it. There's a lot of pop in. Like if I you, mean, it runs well, but I think that's why you can do like the down B to turn around really quickly, and then if you do it, then if you're in the village, like the like houses in the background of the mountains will pop in. But yeah, it's like level of detail, lot stuff. So I imagine whatever they do on the RE engine is. What platform are you guys playing on? PC, Xbox Series X. Uh, seen it on both platforms. It's it's a good looking game. Uh, I didn't get poppin, but I see the the pixelated stuff is still there. Interesting. Like you, if you walk up to something, you, like you can see it fix itself like slowly, like very very mm. subtly. It's actually almost to the point that you won't realize it. You know, it reminds me a lot of a uh, DLSS. Well, it's level of detail, right? So every game, mm. every game texture has like six 
probably six or seven now level of details mm. and the further back you get the it less resolution less less. shape yeah it's 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 this nuts how low poly like low res it gets for so close like it but it makes it look like it's still real they like nailed that look. There's a lot of good texture work in this. Yeah, like, like the castle <laughs> is mad. Like yeah. really polished stuff. It looks real from way back. But yeah. it's all just pixels. And I'm just like, wait, what? And you walk up to it and it's just, you can see it. But if you're not paying attention to it, you would never realize it. At least for my, I, I have it on like medium and high, I think. Because I like, a little bit more frames but yeah it's been it's been it runs pretty well on pc yeah i'm running it on series x i don't i don't have the uh ray tracing on so i run it at 60 frames entirely i've had no technical wait you can turn that on and off yeah now? on on xbox series x there's loads of games that have that option now oh, cyberpunk cool. had it that's you can turn cool. it on and off yakuza has it as well uh, yakuza 7 and if you have it off, you can run the game at sixty frames a second. If you have it on, it runs at thirty. So, but I get would rather looks over. Frames. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They usually call it like performance mode. Oh, I need those frames, baby. I'd rather the game run in sixty frames. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I need sixty, but yeah, but yeah, I think a lot of people would probably enjoy the looks. Yeah, especially if they've been buying consoles only and not PCs for years. That's actually pretty cool. I didn't know that been so long it's, been it's so a good long. looking game it's a yeah, good it, looking it's a very game. good looking game yes for sure i definitely i definitely uh yeah yeah like all I, the I, gun I, models as well like when you hold them and you move them around under the light and stuff they like the way the metal or like the mat of the gun paint texture reflects and stuff it's really you're like this looks way more realistic than it has any right to <laughs> uh, even Ethan's hands, you know, there's a moment. I don't think you've got to yet that way. His hands get kind of a little bit disfigured. As <laughs> you don't say that narrows it down <laughs> as typical. And um, you're like, That's fuck me, that looks painful. <laughs> that looks disgustingly painful. <laughs> At that point, it's definitely a joke <laughs> because it just keeps happening. <laughs> Did you see the picture going around Twitter of the official artwork of how Ethan looks? Like no. his face and head? <laughs> Isn't he just like the most bland vanilla? He, he looks like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> ben Shapiro. He looks like he's about to argue oh, with you about the, male rights. It's the lecturer? Oh, my God, he does. <laughs> Oh, that sucks. Yeah, oh, like, fold over. Yeah, don't. Don't look at it. Don't. It will ruin you. When you play it, you're like, oh, this see. motherfucker deserves see. to die. <laughs> Just type Ethan Winters, I think it will come up. It's been oh, a meme yeah. for the past couple of days. With his little Apple watch that he holds on the on his Oh my wrist. god, it is Ben Shapiro. <laughs> His white, sh unbuttoned white shirt. Jesus. I Christ. know. <laughs> Is that really how he looks like? Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember those hands going through a lot of shit in the VR version of RE7, but I would not have pictured them on that face. I would totally picture someone more grisly and 
battered, you know? Yeah, I definitely don't imagine his voice to match. Someone a little more more ripped, uh, both literally and figuratively. Not necessarily ripped, but... Oh, this is the vi- the village look. Oh, okay. The village... Well, it's the same art, actually, from Seven and the Village. And he's supposed to have gotten through military training, right? And for, for eight. I think, yeah, when he says military training, I think he means that he was just learned how to use a gun. Giving yeah. him the excuse to have more action abilities in uh, this, which means... When he blocks, he just literally holds his hands in front of his face. <laughs> it's so dumb. Oh my god. In Resident Evil 7, there is a boss fight against a guy using a chainsaw, and your oh no, don't chainsaw me hand pose still counts as a legitimate block. Yeah, it's the same in like 8. Just, it's, that shit is hilarious. I don't know if you could in 7, but in 8, you can you can block and then fire your gun blindly at the same time. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Holy shit. So he's like, <laughs> fingers. For, I don't understand. I'll, I, I guess you have to see it. It's funny. Uh, so uh, good fun though. I want. I'm like annoyed. I have to do this because I finished the boss fight just before we started podcasting, and I was like, yeah, I'm almost there. I'm getting ready. I'm. I'm like very close now. It's gonna be your first game you finished in a while, huh? Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, I think that says something, right? I think it, the game isn't... That says something, for sure. The game isn't short, right? It's mm, it's not, It's no. probably 15 hours or so, which I mean is... And, I don't know. and it's packed in, though. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's there's a lot in. of... Yeah, there's a lot of trekking. But we're also, like, like adjusting for RE standards, which are typically pretty short games. That is actually something I did want to say about it in its favor. I think the game is superbly well-paced. Yeah. It, like gets you onto the next section doing stuff and then gives you a conclusion to that sex sec uh, that's like section <laughs> that sex section that, that sex section with lady yeah. dimitrescu of course that famous yeah, sex yeah. section uh no sex it gets you through the section with a conclusion whether that conclusion is like a cutscene or like a voice line or, or a piece of the story or uh, an item it like every part of the game gives you something and games don't tend to do that, right? You finish it, you just walk through to the next level or something, right? In this, mm. there seems to always be not a reward, but a, like, something. Like a, like a story a bit. Bookend. Yeah, like a bookend to each section. Like, even doing a puzzle, you know, has interactions that happen, and then there'll be, like, a voice line that adds to the story and makes you feel like, I've completed this section. And then you go into the next section. And I think it's really well-paced, you know? Even though the story, I think, is nowhere to be seen uh and they could have done way more yeah it still gives you moments where you're like oh okay and then you get more and you're building up and yeah i think it's really well paced the interesting characters duke is kind of holding everything on his back right now for interesting <laughs> characters everybody else is kind of just like okay except i mean i haven't gotten far farther in like uh you have so Maybe, yeah. maybe no, these I mean, you're, get you're still more right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm I'm moving on to the uh, section now with the big boy, the character with the hat. Right? Yeah. So yeah. like, Ooh, never mind. Yeah, that he he is cool. He's cool. So I'm I'm wondering how that's gonna play out. And he, uh, I just had a cutscene kind of with him talking. And he was saying some interesting stuff. So I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. But I feel like, yeah, 
I'm probably only a couple of hours away from finishing it up now. And uh, I'm still I'm still enjoying it. Like I've enjoyed my time with that. It's like a weird amalgamation of every Resident Evil and an attempt at what PT did. Like it's like, here's Resi 7, here's Resident Evil 2. Interspersed between those are action bits of Resident Evil 4. Here's PT. Here's back to like mediocre Resident Evil. And then, yeah, it's like an amalgamation of all different types of what has made Resident Evil. Um, it's also slightly years. open world for people who mm. don't know that. Mm. I still get freaked you... out exploring the houses in the village that's dark and dank. And yeah. they, do, they do lighting really well in that game. Mm-hmm. I love the way that... It, Every doorway is like black and you have to take that leap Go of faith in. into a doorway yeah. and then it opens up via like candlelight and stuff like that. It's yeah, really smart. Lichen. Yeah, and you're like <laughs> and you're like, oh fuck, fuck these guys. And sometimes you, you think, oh okay, I got I can nail two headshots with the handgun, and all of a sudden he just dodges you and then dashes up to yeah. you. And you're just like, Oh, okay, thanks. Thanks. Suck ass. I'm not going to use a health potion. I, I don't care if you hit me. I'm not using a health potion. I'm not wasting my materials on your stupid, you know, low tier attack. Yeah. I do my best to try and do the old like Resi style of like capping their knees, letting them fall on the ground, then running up to them with the knife and going. Does that work? Yeah. Really? Good. Good. As, as long I, as you're patient, uh, right? Like you can you can shoot them. If you shoot them in the head, you almost always knock them to the ground and then you, you can run. But the problem is you have to let them get close. And if you let them get close, uh, mm. they're quite dangerous, especially the lichens. Yeah, the, the, the combat was always kind of the weakest link of seven. And so I was worried that there wouldn't be as many options for uh, for getting wacky with your melee in this one comparatively. It's got more options, but like I highly recommend upping the camera movement speed. Yeah, quite a lot. And stuff a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that's, super that's one of the sluggish by did. default on purpose, right? Because it's field of view is low too. A lot of people are saying it feels clunky. Yeah, there's no FOV slider, guys. I probably they didn't add that in. <laughs> low sensitivity, low yeah. field of view. That's that's going to be clunky for a lot of people. Once you tweak with the movement speed a bit, it gets a bit better. Like it becomes a bit more of a first person shooter feeling than the default, which is I imagine by design, but it is it's meant to be like plodding and slow, yeah. clunky, almost tank like, right? Limited visibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's not worth it playing like that. Especially considering you can do the down B to automatically just flip yourself around like you can in most Resident Evils. So you might as well just have fast movement speed with the camera anyway. I am very, very interested to see what they do with the melee moves in the RE7V or RE4VR version. Uh, if uh, they pan the camera out or just can like, I suplex have... a, a zombie? Yeah. Like, 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 what do you see? Like, do you just see the zombie <laughs> flip over right in front of you? Or is the camera going to pan out to show Leon flipping him over? Or is the camera going to actually, like, go nuts and flip itself over? There's, there's, th- whatever happens is going to be a silly surprise. Oh, dude, yeah. But yeah, we, uh, we, we also all timed together a bit of, uh, viewing of, uh, the, the latest silly, 
Netflix comedy watch, irony watch. Um, we're going from actually this might be a good discussion topic to try to differentiate between what is like good cheesy fun and what is bad cheesy fun. Because we watched Yosuke, y- Yasuke, the the Netflix original animated series. Yasuke. And and I think the the consensus is is pretty clear. A lot of uh, not not a lot of a lot of glowing reviews and praise has has no, it's, it's, shipped in for this thing. All we have is Spider Verse. That's all we got. That's all we got. All these. I mean, they they try to make something cool. You know, you're not going to be Afro Samurai. Yeah, <laughs> just I don't know, man. When you're riding on a lot of that, that you're riding on a lot. If you're a black creator and you're you're putting out something cool, you know, maybe just stick with like simple subjects. You know what I'm saying? If you if you don't have a good writer on your team or something, I don't know. It just it it always ends up mediocre. A lot of these films end up mediocre. A lot, man. I I'm wondering how they screwed it up i i don't know i feel like like it's pretty obvious how how it's it's like a good a video game with great graphics <laughs> did you remember when i told you guys uh, that it's literally like a video, video game, game side quest like thing yeah. you understand now right yeah, yeah. so uh, i i think we it's very important of course that matt gives his opinion on this from my point of view of why i just don't like it is because it seems like it has such an interesting premise, right? The first oh, black samurai, right? Premise. Like how, like his relationship with Oda Nobunaga, all of these incredible things it can go into. How did he like fit in all of these amazing things? No, let's have magical priests, monsters, wizards, and a magical girl, and then we'll make that the story. What the fuck? Yeah, you got a dude like JoJo and shit like that. What? Like, it's just. It's just like they're just mixing all types of genres, but they don't have, mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing, man. They don't know what they're doing. <sighs> they Damn. they have taken a, an extremely interesting episode of history that also perfectly capulates the the stranger in a strange land feeling that is lost from the modern world and turned it into action figures with special powers slapping <sighs> each other. Yeah. It's so weird because Yasuke's cool. Yeah. How, how do you how do you feel, Matt? Like watching it, like you know where I I think the vo- the voice the voice the guy from Atlanta was not it it he wasn't good. He, <laughs> he sounds really good. bored. He sounds, he, he sounds really bored. bored. And he was promoting it too. Like I liked the guy, but he was like, like what are you doing, man? So did you swap over to Japanese? No, <laughs> I did. <laughs> so. I think the Japanese is way better, partially because the guy who plays Yasuke is a half Japanese, half black guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he speaks fluent Japanese, but he talks with, like, a kind of accent to try and portray, like, a foreigner who learned Japanese. And I think mm. he nails it really well because his intonation of Japanese is obviously... Oh, that's he's, cool. He's fluent, but his intonation is kind of like what I would sound like to Japanese people wow. or something like that. Yeah, I, I would not have noticed. It's really good. And I swapped it. I started like that and I swapped it back over to Lakeith Sean, uh, you know, to... Uh, I can't remember. Is it Lakeith Stansted or whatever his name is? Uh, the guy from Atlanta. And I was like, whoa, he sounds really bored. Like, really? Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to do this. Yeah. And there's a big difference between them. I think, to their credit, hiring a Jap- a half Japanese, half black guy to play him 
was a very good casting in that side, but okay. So how does it sound in Japanese? Because supposedly in the English version, everyone in Japan is talking English, and there's little moments where they're talking Japanese. Did you notice that, George, or were you watching the Japanese version? Uh, in the subtitled version, it would tell you in the subtitles what language they're supposed to be speaking, but it would have always been they in the english version they reference it like oh he's speaking japanese so wait a minute everyone in in japan is speaking yeah like he's speaking portuguese or something right yeah yeah like super weird in the japanese dub he'll speak japanese and then the other character will say in japanese uh with the subtitle saying they're shocked oh he's speaking japanese yeah like that's how it'll Oh, okay, okay. So they did the same joke again, which doesn't make any sense. Why would everyone in Japan speak English? That just that just sounds dumb, especially in the olden times, right? Like they, I don't understand what it did. Did America take over or some shit like that back then? <laughs> it really weirded me out that that when the foreigners are together speaking with one another, the subtitles don't make note of that. They all speak whatever language the the primary audience is, whether you set it to English or Japanese. It was not mapped out. Like they get a great um, animation studio, and it just—it's just squandered, man. It's just squandered on this mediocre story. Like the soundtrack is alright. Yeah, the soundtrack, soundtrack is great. Is I think the soundtrack is great. Yeah. Flying yeah. Lotus—it's—it's it's unique considering. Uh, I think the animation is fine, right? It's typical. It's, it's not Netflix animation. Yeah. <laughs> like it looks the- like Castlevania did to me. Listen, we we just watched Invincible. I just rewatched no um My Hero Academia, uh, all four seasons in dub. Like all these shows, Dota, Dota is not the craziest story, but it learned how to squeeze in such a like a a, a com- like a not a complex story, but a decent story within a small amount of episodes. And then you have Yasuke, which is like all the way down at the bottom. Not even close to any one of these. It's just, it's just, I don't know, man. Not even, like, I didn't even want to finish it. I never went back. Yeah. I didn't Did finish, it. finish I, it. I watched I, five I episodes. I, I, I watched four and a half. I got to the conclusion of the, the priest bit and, and, and then that, like, the actual kind of story kicking off. My favorite parts of the show was his backstory about being, like, in Oda Nobunaga's ward and all yep. of that. I can't yeah. believe that wasn't. I mean, it seems so obvious, of course, right? And maybe that was what they were thinking. Oh, people are going to expect we're just going to retell the story of this historical figure who isn't actually that well known or told, right? Of course, a lot of people who maybe have read about samurai and you know the Edo period of Japan will know about Yasuke, or at least some of what is relevant about that. But like, it's not exactly a common story. But the fact that I can't believe that one. It's a story that takes place after Oda Nobunaga's death. So the whole of him being in Japan and learning about everything and becoming a samurai, they just kind of skip over. They're just like, he arrived. He's now samurai. Nobunaga likes him. Oh, Nobunaga's dead. Oh, now here he is. Yasuke just lives yeah. in Japan. It's like, what? And then, like, why all of the magic supernatural garbage like it's almost like a really bad episode of like dragon ball this fucking it's fucking robots man they shoot lightning at each other out of their fingers. Listen, listen 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 do you remember them fighting on a frozen lake 
right? You remember I that, do. Right? And yeah. then you remember when a, a little bit of beer splashed on a robot's uh, a leg and then his gun went crazy. You remember that shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember that mm-hmm. bullshit? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Or is that just me? Mm-mm. No. The power mechs were the Mongolians' advantage, remember? Yeah. The mech also had um, like so, a computer targeting system like that was able to scan through objects. And everyone else is still living in medieval squalor on the farms. Like, So, I mean, in the beginning, if only water stopped the mechs, all they had to do was get a bunch of water. They could have fucking water bend the fucking mechs away. It's not thoroughly <laughs> thought out. It's uh, not. I, I, There's so many fucking holes. It's so. <laughs> I, I was not able to suspend my disbelief. I don't know how they <laughs> expect the audience to suspend their disbelief. And yeah, yeah, the first episode was fun, but it still began with the prologue that legitimately had me thinking I accidentally clicked on the wrong thing. Mm. Yeah, same. Uh, I skipped ahead to the actual concluding episode the first 30 minutes of it just to confirm if it gets more or less supernatural as the series goes on and it gets he is chopping through mechs there is a giant army of them besieging nobunaga's castle or something towards the end it doesn't it does not return to the fun scenes in the first episode where he is getting straight off the boat they they go through their routines of nobunaga like trying to wash his skin to confirm whether or not he's black and I was uh, reading, of course, I was reading through his Wikipedia page while going through that episode, and there's so many more fun stories they could have thrown in there. Like, yeah. apparently the villagers, like, broke down someone's door just to get a peek at him. Like, like in, in real life, apparently Nobunanga's reaction was a hell of a lot more uh, overstated than it was in the anime. But there are these scenes where you, like, see Nobunaga's court. With like a woman sitting on one end, a black guy sitting on the other end, and he is wearing this Western style jacket with the buttons and the collar. And it, it is a beautiful scene that captures how you have like all these disparate corners of the world all in one location in a very interesting time. And and then they the hormone replacement therapy robot bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man and starts this <laughs> this science fiction nonsense plot that basically does become action figures with special powers shooting lightning at each other mm. the, the robot says hrt on i could not i could not unsee that like every time i see that robot i'm thinking that the robot's like full of sex change pills i that is what <laughs> that stands for how do you i i could not forget that that is what hrt stands for and the robot has those letters on it hrt does is that really yeah what? hormone replacement therapy every time i see those three letters that's where my brain goes and HRT. so every time this robot was on the screen my brain was like okay what does this robot have to do with 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 hormone pills like i, I was never able to suspend my disbelief i was not able to be immersed in the world of yasuke i think yeah. yeah maybe my bar is too high man it's very limited in its uh in its sets as well like it just yeah. I, I don't know it was kind of disappointing um like the like it was it just like the characters made no sense like like oh no they fall at the lake and then he just takes her back home like it's just it's like what like that's it and you just let her run off 
Like, does does that make I, what? What are you doing? I, to to have a cool scene of a badass black samurai chopping through things in slow motion, fighting inside of a bar that was mediocre. Oh yeah, all of I it mean, was just just like what? Is, what is happening? Yeah, like, and the, the fights beat, weren't very good either. It won't. Yeah, they weren't because it didn't. It didn't. They didn't make any sense because the, the fights don't have to be. You remember watching My Hero where the fights were sometimes weren't like fully drawn out or anything like that. But like the the meaning behind the fight meant something like it didn't. It it just had no meaning. And then the fights weren't drawn <laughs> great. So Yasuke was just kind of just don't watch it, guys. Don't watch it. <laughs> don't watch it. It's It's a waste of time. It's a waste of fucking time. I, I, I had this image in my head, and I wonder how naive and incorrect it may be, but like maybe it's possible that some black kid might be getting more out of it when they're growing up, might be getting some kind of inspiring imagery out of a, a black samurai chopping through robots in medieval Japan that, that maybe we're too old and cynical and But it's and not made by now. for kids, though. Not with an arm and stuff. Oh, that is right. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, because it was bloody and violent. But when I think back, I think of like silly, over the top characters with toyetic designs and a pseudo educational background setting. Like, it seems weird. Like, what age is it actually for, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay, so maybe it's not for kids after all. That was. No, there's no redemption here. Man, that was like my my saving grace when I walked away from it. I was like, maybe the kids will get something out of it. If you have nothing else to watch, and there's plenty of stuff to watch, plenty of stuff to watch. Resident Alien, get that guy from the guy from Firefly. This is plenty of stuff to watch. But if you have nothing to watch and you just want to watch that, I mean, go ahead. But it's a waste of time. <laughs> it's a waste of time, man. Hey, have Have you guys played anything else? Uh, I've been I've been slowly going through near. I haven't really progressed any further. I've only try been trying to keep going at it so that when I return, you know, it it wasn't so long since. I I, I would love to hear you when you get to that ending though, because it's it's near. It's it's a trope at this point. The the endings and then the replays are what what those games are famous. For. I'm I'm inspired to do it more because of Massimo, one of our community members, Photoshop of me. As Papanier and George <laughs> as Grimoire, yeah, as Grimoire and Weiss, it was <laughs> such an incredible Photoshop. I couldn't stop laughing for days. Um, it was brilliant. So that's kept me inspired. But no, I just busting through Resident Evil. I mean, I actively want to play it. Like I get home and I'm like, okay, time to play some Resident Evil, which I feel is pretty good. What, the, what else is coming out to you? Is there, a, is there anything else you guys have been playing? Bio-Mutant. Bio I want to play that. I've been waiting Ooh, months yeah, for that game. finally coming out. It's 25th. Coming out on 25th. I've been playing No Man's Sky. I played You've been playing No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky. Yeah, right? It's a weird, weird choice. But yeah, yeah, very weird. I had someone to play with, so like we've been just playing No Man's Sky. It's a, it's a good game now. I'm not gonna lie, it's a good game. Now there's a lot. That's what like 50 game. million other people say as well. Seems yeah. like it. They've really yeah. turned it around. They really the best redemption story ever, right? Like it's just like I mean, it was trash before. Have you? Did you play it back then? Because I did. 
And it was no, I've never played it. I have it downloaded because I wanted to jump in, but it's a bit more like an MMO these days, right? Uh, not necessarily. You, the only time you see people, supposedly you can see them as an orb once you get like closer to the center, but like, um, you see people in this, uh, this like hub area, I guess you couldn't call oh, it. Okay, okay. I think what I meant is like it's kind of like one of those. Like Destiny 2 kind of things, like an online, you know, mm. part of it. It's like it's one like of the oh, games as a service type games, right? Mm, no, you don't buy anything. Other oh, okay. Than the game. Yeah, yeah, you don't buy anything. Yeah, no, everything is free. Everything mm. is free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from from yeah. what I know, like all the updates are free. Everything is free. So like okay. you just kind of go to different planets and you kind of survive. You can stay there forever. The planets are huge. You can go anywhere. They have a lot. Going for it. I would say the only thing that I dislike about No Man's Sky, I'm pretty sure people have heard all this different stuff. You can build bases, you can you can teleport everywhere now. Like like you, you can teleport to each uh, space station, you can break the economy, you can yeah, I mean there's so much going on <laughs> for it now. Like it's it's a it's a space game, but like like an easier space game than Elite Dangerous. But the only thing I don't like about this game, all right, other than Sometimes the multiplayer glitching out. There is no pitch control on keyboard and mouse. Yeah, going uh, up okay. and down directly. Like I'm you just so going a straight line. Yeah, you just go in a straight line or um tilting up and tilting down. And I just want to. I just want to be able to fly my spaceship properly, <laughs> and I can't. And to be honest, Does it not a lot use of things the are mouse, easier. like up and down to do it? Yeah, no? but it tilts up and down. I said if it going straight up and down. I want thruster. Like, all right, I'm used to Elite Dangerous, where basically you can control anything on your spaceship. Okay. Right? And this one, and you're supposed to be able to either boost up, directly up, or directly down, or directly to the sides. And then all the other controls, you know, of like, you know, moving and tilting and stuff like that. And then through that, you can kind of do ridiculous stuff, you know, renew okay. and stuff like that. Yeah. I usually use whole tasks, but I'm using the keyboard and the mouse this time. And you can't map pitch. And I think that's the most ridiculous thing. The ridiculous thing. <laughs> it, it, out of all the updates, they, they haven't fixed that. You can't. Why? I'm thinking because they've, they've you know, it's been so console centric of a game, right? Like it was a PlayStation yeah. exclusive. Then, you know, most of the players are on, I think, console that adding too overcomplicated of a control scheme might alienate some people, especially Fuck on console. Those guys, man. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that you can just map. Like, that's it. You know, you don't have to have it, right? You don't have to map it, right? I don't know. It's hard, right? Like, if you give those options then and you can't do it on console, then console players might get pissed off because they wait, why, why can't we have it kind of thing? They might have it already, actually, on their left, on their right stick. That's the thing. So mm. you just can't map it. Yeah. Because you, you probably can map it to the stick, but not your, uh, your, your keyboard and mouse. Because it's there, oh, okay. but it's one button. You can only pick one button for it. What prompted you to give it a try again? Uh, just looking for something to play a game with someone. Just like a co-op game. And I was like, you know what? Maybe No Man's Sky. I played a little bit of Outriders too. I played the demo and 
Outriders is, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's, I wouldn't play it by myself. Let's say it like that. I wouldn't play the game by myself. And I guess No Man's Sky, I probably wouldn't be as interested to play it by myself. It's like one of those games where it's probably better just with someone. I mean, all games are better with someone. So it's kind of hard to say that, but like. So you were, you were playing with someone for No Man's Sky? Yeah. For an hour. Okay. Maybe that's what I need because I want to love No Man's Sky so bad. And I've given it multiple attempts. Like I've tried it in VR and regular. And and in all these runs, the loop for the game's crafting, exploration, resource, vacuuming, building grind, it was always a bit too slow or like too abstract. The inventory screen was always really cluttered and hard to work with. And that's always what would what would get me. But I never have tried to run with like a, a co-op style. Well, nowadays, sort of normal rules. mode, normal mode, you can upgrade your slots on your guy to hold a bunch of stuff. And the stack on normal mode is 9,999. So you can have a lot of materials. <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is better. They also completely redid the economy. Like it was a different game than last year, but the, the loop at the, at the core of it was still like too slow for me or some, it was doing something. That yeah. uh, just never got me as as hooked. It's uh, it's pretty different. I mean, you have pets. There's like mech suits and shit. There's just all Please. sorts of stuff. Wow, the main quest is also totally different than it used to be. Yeah, there's a little like, story. Uh, this this you know driving you to and and a lot more little steps. Mm-hmm. Like they actually walk you through the base building. It's it's not an optional part of the game right now. Yeah. yeah. You have to do it, yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's, it's good, it's good. A little, little desync on the multiplayer sometimes, and that can get annoying. But other than that, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun just, just exploring space. The, 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 the plants are always different. They're always weird. They sometimes try to kill you really badly <laughs> until you get some good gear going. And um, yeah. Yeah, I I really enjoyed No Man's Sky. That's that's the only reason I haven't finished RE8. <laughs> it's gonna be playing No Man's Sky until recently. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, because yeah. when you said "Oh, the baby," and I was like, "Oh shit, I need to play RE8," and I started playing it. <laughs> yeah. As unwieldy as the controller schemes get, get I really like something they do with the VR controllers that uh, kind of leverages you having a virtual joystick inside your hand. When you get in the uh, cockpit in No Man's Sky, you um, hold down the trigger on your VR wand and then start tilting it to simulate a joystick. So what you kind of do in your brain, at least my brain barely even thought about this at the time, was I'd be sitting in my chair playing a game using an analog stick to move around. Then you get in the cockpit and I would end up putting my hands down on my hips and start moving the stick as if it was a joystick resting on my hip. And you move it just like an actual joystick. It gives you more or less the same freedom of direction you would have there, but you don't have to take the the hotas out of your your <laughs> closet or anything. It emulates that on the VR wand itself by locking it into a fixed point of reference when you hold the trigger down. So you can kind of sort of screw it up if you still wave your arm around. But for some reason, when your finger is pressing that button down, it makes your brain think in terms of keeping it steady, like 
out of how unwieldy and complicated that game's VR control scheme, it does do that one really, really cool trick that that makes it feel so incredibly natural to just look off to your side and see the atmosphere disappearing underneath you as your ship breaks through and the planet turns into a ball. It feels and looks just right in VR that uh that that that's one of the reasons I keep coming back is for stuff like that. I'm I'm saying, yo, that's that's why I loved Elite Dangerous in VR. That's all I played was Hotas. I, I, I think it was what TOVG days where I was just constantly saying the olden days. VR. The olden days. The olden <laughs> days. TOVG like uh Elite Dangerous in VR. Oh my god. Got a whole test set up. Some of the best moments in VR. Some of my best moments in VR. My gosh. I, I, I really miss that. I might have to try No Man's Sky in VR eventually. Yeah, yeah. Seeing the takeoffs and uh, landings in VR is is something else. When you uh, when you can cross reference the scale of the planet against the scale of your body as you see the horizon turn from a ball into a flat line on the ground, it's it's pretty cool. Nice. So I wanted to recommend a a a a a much harder, more serious topic. Uh. Netflix has produced a documentary, a history documentary series that I quote unquote enjoyed. Uh, not really. It was a hard watch. <laughs> this is something you want to save for, for a happier time in your life. But um, Exterminate All the Brutes on HBO is a history documentary series by LaShawn Thomas, who was the director of... Um, I am not your Negro. It is about his personal history growing up on Heidi and breaking into the movie industry to find success there in relation to the 500 year long history of slavery and genocide as justified by philosophies of white supremacy. It gets into the science and the theology and the logic that horrible white people you were using to take over the world. And one of the more incredibly dramatic, sad stories of this whole ordeal that uh, I thought hit me the hardest was the missionary on Christopher Columbus's boat. Uh, this is a guy who would write frank, honest, uncompromising, and unflattering accounts of how this guy was treating the natives. And when trying to find a, a narrative that's criti critical of the colonial biases historians will oftentimes use this guy's journal as proof that once christopher columbus set sail like he was decapitating these natives by the day just because he he could jesus christ the missionary got back home the spanish authorities ended up asking him and grilling him on how they would end up implementing a system of cheap labor to build colonies in the new world and there was some theological argument he came to about how other races of the world are, are our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, but mm -hmm. the Africans less so. He ended up making a compromise <laughs> where he made an argument saying that the Africans were going to be better free labor as slaves for the Spanish colonies in the New World than the natives. And he ended up regretting it later in his life and trying to take it back. And I, I, this documentary goes from explaining 
this guy's journals and writings to showing a graphic where you then see a little timeline expand on the bottom of the screen over a map of the world where you see 400 years worth of blood then get sucked out of Africa. 400 years and 13 million bodies worth of blood in an infographic documentary get sucked out of out of a little animatic scene of Africa and it it will make you feel sick that is the level of excessive misery porn that this documentary is uh demonstrating its um its story with and the thing that like really really stuck with me was the thought that the guy the individual responsible kind of knew what was happening within his own lifetime and regretted it and the amount of 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 weight on that guy's soul is something that I just think is it horrifies me worse than than any kind of story you're you're gonna get out of fiction, right? Because it's this like this is real people that uh that we're talking about here in in this this historical narrative. Yeah, highly highly recommended. Well put together. I I do want to recommend it for listeners who um want to get this history lesson during a a happier part in their lives. But I do also want to say that with a a subject as heavy as this, and with a viewpoint as typically underrepresented as this, it does come with a layer of uh, perspective that you should be aware as as a viewer. Like It's like watching a Michael Moore documentary. The intentions are right, the facts are going to be correct, but they are going to be presented in a way that's going to drum up the the emotional impact of an argument that's not presented so often because it is an argument that is directly in opposition of the current state of the world's interests <laughs> it's messy it's not clean and so i do worry that it's not going to stand as as a a borat style sacha baron cohen style <laughs> example of um <laughs> no no as as that kind of example of like a clean cut entertaining debunking of bigotry this is like a messy, uncompromising criticism of bigotry. It's not going to mm-hmm. convince anyone so much as it's just going to probably make anyone who's watching it double down harder on on what what they think the consequences in the modern world of is of of white people taking over the world in centuries past. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it was <sighs> weird going to that from Yasuke. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was it was me going from good shows to Yasuke. And I was just like, why am I watching this? <laughs> I could just go watch another good show. You know, I I watched uh, the the Mitchells versus the machines, the same people who did um, oh. uh, Spider-Verse, the same same animation studio. It was good. It was real good. I, I'll say one of my an- favorite animated uh, movies this year for sure. It's on Netflix. Watch that shit if you like. If you like animated movies, I love animated movies. What was it called? Uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah, that's quietly come out, right? Yeah, it's good. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's at the top of the charts right now. Yeah, as in, like, it came out, and then like everyone was like, "Oh, this thing," and everyone was like, it's "What's that?" COVID that? launch. Yeah, it's that COVID mm, launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The animation is yeah. pretty sick. I, I love how they like play with frame rates nowadays. Ugh, cool. And yes, 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 they blend 2D and 3D together in this. Like the explosions are 2D, if you realize it, but it's all melted with a 3D explosion that's in the background. Like it's just weird the way they do things. Like it's it's so good looking. 
And in the beginning, you're going to feel a little bit weird watching it. And then all of a sudden, it, it kind of comes into its own. Like, what a movie. I'm not going to. It's, it's super wacky. If you like jokey shit, just like how uh, in Spider-Verse, when you saw all the Spider-Mans, and you're like, this doesn't even make any fucking sense. If you like that, you're going to like Mitchell's. <laughs> just like they went more wacky with this and they still nailed it. It's 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 great. I. I, I was legitimately having Spider-Verse flashbacks sometimes when watching Yasuke because your lineup of heroes, everyone looks like they're from such a different universe. Yeah. That like, like, like it looked like, like, a like I was watching the wrong thing. <laughs> like I was watching a, a Spider-Verse style superhero lineup and not a, a historical episode of, of the Black Diaspora in Japan. Oh. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a slight spoiler. It's not that bad, guys, to make <gasps> anyone here watch it. Well, no, no. Some people watch it. I'll say some people. Eric Andre is acquired taste. But Eric Andre <laughs> starts the end of the world <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> he's, he's a villain? I'll let you watch it. <laughs> I, 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 I think Eric Andre would make a hilarious children's movie villain. <laughs> that sounds like great casting i watched this after yasuke and i'm just like that's voice acting see you don't really you're not supposed to realize oh this guy is trying to voice act you know what i mean like when you when you're listening to omni man you're like oh yeah (gasps) that's jk simmons after like an episode like like you get it (laughs) after a bit jk simmons that's jk simmons (laughs) pictures of spider-man jk simmons is involved (laughs) it's gonna make it a little crazy (laughs) it's gonna get played again that's not my tempo (laughs) oh my god i did watch the first episode of invincible and i it it got me like yeah. I really that ending, that ending. I do, I do want to know what happens next. I think you would love Invincible because it, it like it just flips superheroes on its head, man. It's just real superhero, not not the boys type of stuff, but like just what exactly a superhero would look like in real world. Because like all this like clean fighting that you see in Marvel is not no, no. I can understand why people would dip out of the first episode if they don't see the ending of the first it's episode. It's the ending. You got to go through 50 minutes to get the yeah. ending. I, I wasn't feeling it till then. If you don't see that, you can kind of just be like, oh, this is like a typical Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Teen Titans, <laughs> yeah. Justice League, and then purposely. A false sense th- of security. Until oh, right my there, God. <laughs> oh. It fakes you out multiple times though like in the beginning it zooms out to a comic book and then in the middle it zooms out again in another comic book then in the end it's just like no fuck you viewer we're we're going real postmodernism for the last four minutes here and it's so bloody good like it's literally literally bloody bloody good (laughs) (laughs) i love it yeah because because in the beginning when the bad guys get punched they're fine they're just a little drop and yeah, that's that's not how how anatomy works. Later, yeah, it's like oh, this is like you know like Teen Titans or any of those like DC shows on the mild swearing, movie. mild yeah. blood. Yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden it just goes ham. But yeah, yeah, it's good stuff, man. 
Also, another shout out to our wonderful Discord community uh, regarding fan art who had oh made the Omni Man meme with Matt on me and then me on George. And it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Some really good meme, <laughs> meme worthy stuff. The, the me on George one with uh with like oh the Facebook has your information already George it's Facebook already has your information it's like- <laughs> George <laughs> it's so good oh my god it was so good I, I thought these I thought these guys were drawing from scratch they're using a template and it's, they're doing good I mean obviously they're drawing it it still looks great you look fantastic like <laughs> the one of you just looks brilliant no uh, no it's not a t- it's 100% original creation they they went to so art school good. for years to learn how to draw that good because because we have we have the best fan base they still have to draw my face and know where like my boobs are and stuff so <laughs> no you can't s- say your pecs because we don't know you know they don't have a visual reference <laughs> Say yeah. that you look like Omni Man from neck Matt down. Matt literally is Omni Man. Like you, you just can't, you can't I'm not see that it. Big. <laughs> I'm not that big. That, that is testosterone levels of big right there. <laughs> he is chunky. <laughs> so good. I'm looking at it again. Oh, it's brilliant. Speaking of maintaining a podcast about video games on the internet in an Iraqi unpredictable future, big news story this week is the departure of Vinny Caravella, Alex Navarro, and Brad Shoemaker from Game GameSpot, Giant Bomb. I almost said GameSpot. I guess that's my version of TOVG. I'll say GameSpot when I want to talk about Giant Bomb, apparently, and then I'll say GameStop when I want to talk about GameSpot. Anyways... Yeah, this happened after a long ass while. Like these are founding members who um were there. I want to say was it 2007 or 2008? Uh after after the Gertzman Gate firing of of the great Cannon Lynch scandal. Oh my god. 7? I want to say 2007. More than 10 years. Yeah. A a landmark of of uh video game podcasting is looking to finally be shutting its doors. That means that we'll have to carry the torch. Yeah, this is this is scary. It doesn't really spell out a positive future for a lot of people in the games media as as volatile as an industry as it is. So we this happened, of course, big ripples across the entire Internet. Is there been a reason why? Because Jeff is staying at that staying there, right? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, it is it is a little strange. Um, So they got bought out by another company in september of 2020 cbs apparently decided to sell them following their acquisition by red ventures is the name of the new company parenting over them abby left ben pack left uh dan reichert left in january but that was for an unrelated reason he's doing podcast for for the wrestling now but Vinny, Alex, and Brad have not said what exactly they're planning on so much as they're kind of talking their way around hinting at the idea that they're still going to be doing something in games media, just not necessarily Giant Bomb. Mm. Afterwards, Giant Bomb made a statement to GameStop saying there is a collective vision for what the future... Oh my god! GameSpot. There is a collective vision for what the future of Giant Bomb is, and it involves both familiar and new faces. We're already in talks with creators so that we can begin the next chapter. We're fully aware that this marks a big change and we're using this as an opportunity to rethink what the site is. It's a chance to introduce new personalities from different backgrounds and explore categories and topics that Giant Bomb never have before. So 
not confirmation, but implication is that they're going to hire some new people for a new format to replace these. As of now, we're recording on uh, Wednesday, the 12th. Gertzman basically has left us with, we will have more stuff to say about where Giant Bomb goes from here a little later this week or next. Hope being, it might be the end of, of this week, because it was not the end of last week when we found out exactly what they're up to. But it sounds like there is some kind of related project that, that they didn't get fired or or technically laid off, but maybe there was some more money to be made elsewhere after the acquisition we will find out but mm. yeah it is it is rocky it is volatile i feel like it's a transition thing and i think jeff is being jeff is staying behind to pass it on to another generation of people and then we'll then move on to catch up with yeah, the guys i doubt the, they're gonna be split up for long they, they can't the, the trip edition and the fear is that that they might be hiring on some more uh video era creators to to be <laughs> oh god be doing more more video focused personality driven content like the polygon thing that never ends up well though nope it never does polygon did do like okay i you say never ends up well but at the same time a lot of the polygon video stars they don't stick around the McElroy brothers are doing their own thing they did a good job at fostering video personalities, but not so much keeping them for 10 years like Giant Bomb did. Because uh, these three people, like, they were there for the beginning of, of the popularity of Let's Plays. The Giant Bomb Quick Look was an extremely popular format for so long. I mean, they're, they're part of the furniture. Right. They're absolutely just... <laughs> part of the furniture, oh, damn. Yeah, but that's you know they've been like especially been Jeff and Alex and Brad right, and even Vinny like I never really got into Giant Bomb, but Jeff specifically has always been somebody who's been ever since you know we've spoken and we've you know we know Greg, you know who used to run as editor in chief as you know for Games Bot not Stop Game Spot <laughs> you know. And he obviously left a long time ago, but I remember those days. GameSpot was where I went every day, and it was Jeff, and it was Greg, and it was um, Alex Navarro and Brad Shoemaker, and it would be Chris Waters and uh, and all these guys, right? And they'd have on the spot, and then they would all of their videos would link back into forum posts that then you would comment on the video in the forum post, and it was like really like. Not revolutionary stuff, but it was stuff that is so normal now, but was not happening at the time. Uh, and these guys were doing video reviews and video first looks and plays. And then, of course, the Kane and Lynch stuff happened. And then... What is the Kane and Lynch stuff? What, what is the Kane and Lynch stuff? It's been a while. It, it's, it's worth a read, but basically uh, it was essentially that Jeff Gertzman reviewed Kane and Lynch 2, I believe. One. Or one. one. Okay, one. Yeah. Uh, gave it like a seven or something, or a six. Didn't didn't particularly like it. Thought it was mediocre, and he was fired. And it's thought that it came off the fact that there was pressure from internally, like within Gamespot, because uh, the publisher yeah. of the game. I can't remember who the publisher was. Was it uh, IDOS Interactive? Might have been at the time. It might have been before they. It, this is from so long ago. Different industry. They'd paid for advertising on Gamespot. Like a lot of money for advertising of the game, and then of course on the on the review is uh, a bad negative one. Let me just say, if if no one has played Kane Lynch two, I've I've played Kane Lynch two, 
it, it gives you nausea. It's it's so trash. <laughs> so so this was about <laughs> Cannon Lynch one. It is as far as as I who I I guess should be an expert on the subject. I think this is the one and only case in English speaking games media history where there was a direct relationship between a low review score and a reporter getting yeah. officially mm. reprimanded for it. And the reason being was that they had some brand new hires in the advertorial department who would typically, as part of the job they're supposed to learn in school, are typically expected to build a wall between their advertising influences and the editors writing their reviews. There was internal company drama over these new hires who didn't know what they were doing. It ended up causing some bad blood between Jeff Gertzman and some of the other editors. They fired, formed Giant Bomb as an alternative, and yeah. pulled some strings with their corporate holders of GameSpot, who were CBS Interactive, to get that CBS money pumped into Giant Bomb. They kind of sort of built a reputation as doing funny video content in relation to a kind of sister company relationship with GameSpot doing the more serious editorial content. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it is a game journalism scandal that is remarkably less complicated than any that has happened since that had a happier, a more happy ending than any game journalism scandal since. Yeah, it was like the first, though. It was like the real big first one where people started to question what the fuck was happening. And Jeff, by all accounts, was a personality, right? Like him and Greg and like Kevin Van Oort. He was the 8.8 .8 Zelda guy yeah. before Kane and Lynch guy. Yeah, and then Kevin Van Oort and all those people were, you know, really popular people. They were, you know, online personalities for reviewing games and they were really really well respected and then jeff went off to do giant bomb out of the ashes of that and it all worked out really well and he hired all of his friends and um giant bomb seemed to be this place that they just did what they did and people went there and they did a lot of podcasting and a lot of long like he think of the bomb cast and the beast cast <laughs> those podcasts are like four hours long every week like that's insane <laughs> But they kept in it, and that's what people liked them for. They never really changed. Uh, they did a lot of, you know, quick look stuff, and their numbers were all never massive. It always seemed like their personalities were more well-known than their actual Giant Bomb stuff. Like, Giant Bomb had, like, a core audience of people, but they weren't getting, like, hundreds of thousands of views on videos. It was, like, thirty to 40,000, right? And they they were supported from a subscription model instead of an advertising yeah. model, or what would later come as a crowdfunding model. They mm. they were doing a paywall content and evidently had enough hardcore fans to keep that way more sustainable than any other outlet was able to manage. But if you never saw it, their E3 coverage they did every year was awesome. It was brilliant. Like every year, that was my favorite. That E3 coverage was so great. They just set up a room where people would walk in and out of it being interviewed. Like, what have you seen at the show? <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, I'm so tired. Fuck this show. Um, it was really good. Um, rest in peace, Giant Bomb, man. Well, we don't know if Giant Bomb itself will go away, but... Rest I, in peace, I, the, the Giant lineup, Bomb that everybody knows. <laughs> right. It's, it's kind of sort of just Jeff all alone. The oldest man in game journalism. In a For example, there once was the TOVG podcast that now happens to be <laughs> the Dad and Sons podcast. So, so, so maybe Jeff Gertzman will meet back up with his friends in a different unfurnished office. Uh, for some reason, Alex Navarro just was the one who got replaced. <laughs>
<laughs> I, 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 I do feel weird about this, but I also feel fairly confident that in like six months time, we'll see X giant bomb founders put together new, like an easy allies sort of situation. X established media personalities put together new crowdfund adventure. Keep, keep it going for a few years until they grow up even further sort of sort of deal. Am I the only one who just doesn't get any of those things? Maybe because no. I've never watched any of them. I I didn't I didn't watch Giant Bomb either. Funny games, ally, easy ally. Like I've never I don't get it. I don't consume it personally, but I feel like I get it. Like I've tried, but as Liam said, they're four hours long. I think I get it because they sit in this weird space where they do traditional media stuff. Like they do what Gamespot and IGN do, but they do more personality driven. You know, like IGN and GameSpot kind of have people coming in and out, right? They're hires who come in and out. Um, whereas, like, kind of funny is Greg Miller and his cast of people, right? That you get that personality. But what the content they focus on is not like YouTube stuff or like what we would see in the content creator sphere now. It's still like basically what Greg Miller was doing at IGN, but now kind of funny. And I think Giant Bomb was exactly the same. Jeff Kirsten was like, I review games, I talk about games. But now people come because I can also swear and be a personality, right? Um, so they sit yeah. in this kind of mid zone where I do get why people like it. But as George said as well, you know, they're really long. They happen all the time. It's hard to keep up with. Must be nostalgic because, like, I could see myself, like, watching the game trailers guy. Like, Jeff, yeah, easy, easy allies. You're exactly right. Like, the easy allies guys are almost exactly the same. There's one, one particular guy has this voice that used to be on the game trailers. I think it's called gametrailers.com. GT reviews. Brandon, yeah, Brandon, uh, he he runs easy allies. Easy oh, allies, okay. the, yeah, those guys went off after yeah. after game trailers closed. Those guys did their own Patreon and it was wildly successful. They formed easy allies and now they're doing that. Yeah, they're, they're exactly the same. Like, old traditional media, but personality-driven stuff. For clarification, one of the origin stories, Alex Navarro, I know his name because of a famous Big Rigs Over the Road racing video review. <laughs> the best review ever. From like, it's from, like, 2004 <laughs> or 2005. So it is so old, but it was, like, the first to be this funny yeah. about a bad game in video format. Like, before then, there were, there were long wordy something awful reviews. There was a monthly April issue of Game Informer called Game Infarcer, but this this video review broke new grounds at the time by just flicking through a montage of game glitches. And then the camera zooms out and you see Alex sitting at the computer in the cubicle looking completely deadpan. He throws his arms up in the air and then goes lays down in traffic outside. There's no words in it. There's no actual attempt at, at making an objective technical review. You go for the text for that. But he straight up made a a fun video out of the video version in a time where games media was uh, kitchen refrigerator reviews, oftentimes influenced by by the publisher or uh, stuff on on G4 TV for for like kids. It's which I mean, it still was. But yeah, like like having a wholesome chuckle over over how silly video games are is, is something that took people a while to do. And they they were holding the torch on that one. Hmm. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. I, I said big news of big news story of the past week, but, you know, the epic lawsuit is still going on. And uh, a lot of the, the fun headline quips from this week 
are not necessarily about confidential documents revealing weird numbers that you might not have expected. So much as they just are like a bunch of really petty digs the lawyers are getting at each other. I'm sure this one's going to go better than last week, but we have a, a first story on the list is the Apple lawyers ripping into Epic for featuring the itch.io store at one point. And the itch.io store has a section of adults only games that Apple's lawyer was uh, referring to as offensive and sexualized and unspeakable in this courtroom. We have these these hilarious exchanges between um, the, the, the two two competing lawyers here. I don't know. Does anyone does anyone want to walk walk me through the conversation here and and play a part? Maybe maybe one of you wants to be Apple Apple. Maybe one of you wants to be Epic or Apple. I can be I I'm which one comes first? I believe that this very first quote is uh from Apple's lawyer. <laughs> Are you aware sir that itch.io includes so-called adult games? Such as a game called Sisterly Lust. <laughs> I, I, I am not. You may not be aware then, but the description of that game includes a list of fetishes which include many words that are not appropriate for us to speak in federal courts. Are you aware of that? I, I, I am not. And the list goes on. There are many games on itch.io. I won't even read the names out loud, but they are both offensive and sexualized. Offensive and sexualized. Epic added itch.io to EGS on April 22nd, mere days before this lawsuit. Presumably, it was shown as, as a good faith measure about the feasibility of including other app stores within one's own app store. And uh, now, now the argument has um, transferred over from, from Epic's line of reasoning that not allowing other app stores within an app store protects their users to dig at how itch.io's app store has adults only stuff for an egs app store that has a lot of kids logging onto it for Fortnite. <laughs> we have a yellow banana here don't we in a tuxedo oh my freaking god yes and a day later the argument got expanded to refer to a Fortnite character that is a humanoid banana <clears throat> yes uh, uh let me let me get back in you uh yeah yes that is peely <laughs> and that's peely did you say yeah and in fact, in the tuxedo, he's known as Agent Peely, correct? That, that's correct. We thought it better to go with the suit than the naked, naked banana, banana. Since we are in federal courts this morning. <laughs> Excuse me, it's been about a day later. We've talked about some other things, and there might have been an implication that to show Peely without a suit would have been appropriate. Do you recall that? Yes. Is there anything inappropriate about Peely without a suit? No, there's not. If we could just put on the screen a picture of Peely, is there anything inappropriate about Peely without clothes? It's just a banana, ma'am. <laughs> just a banana, ma'am. <laughs> it's just a banana. Matt, uh, can you can you say it's just a banana, ma'am, in your in the most deep, like deadpan <laughs> match? Just a banana, ma'am. It's just a banana, man. <laughs> Like an action movie enough. one liner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Excuse me, so this is a Wendy's. <laughs> it's like it rings the it rings the same tone. Hey, let's say let's say let's say you go to Wendy's and you look at their menu and they have a list of top twenty Wendy's menu items. 
And imagine, if you will, that there were actually 25 menu items under the top 20 menu items list. <laughs> Would you bring this up in court <laughs> later on? Oh my god. Next favorite quote to come out of this is, if you go to view more, it says top 20. I don't know if you know this, but there are actually 25 under the top 20. <laughs> this, this was oh used no, as, how as evidence. They? What a travesty. Dude, I mean, they went from arguing about the nature of video games itself. Like, like is Roblox a game? It does, does a digital multiverse count as a game? Like, actually interesting stuff to this in, in a day. And it's just, it is amazing how dirty the laundry is and how how bitter and petty it gets sometimes i genuinely expected it to be more boring than this like you know lawyers big money big business you'd think they'd <laughs> oh boy so funny we 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 went from some very some some fairly interesting questions over the nature of video games itself is roblox a video game does fortnite's digital multiverse if that's how they're trying to frame it count as a video game some some really really petty shit flinging you would think it would be more boring i was expecting it to be more boring i was wondering if you guys are on the stand in the court what what would you say counts as a video game their 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 legal definition was uh that you would need there to be some semblance of a win or lose that society or the player reaches really mm. i yeah, yeah, and that's why apparently Roblox is listed as an app instead of a game. That was the point of contention, was whether or not uh, uh, Roblox, since it has its own in-app marketplace, should have been listed as a game. Is this the Gone Home talk again? This is the it, is, I, I, it was a little bit more dry in business than that. But yeah, it's like, it's the same, they're tickling the same iceberg yeah. that, that gamers have been <laughs> fighting wars over for years now. and. And it's it's happening in the court for the first time since like games were officially declared art in 2011. I don't even want to touch this hot potato. I mean, oh, it's I impossible. It. It's impossible to answer these days. We have so many different things. You think about Nintendo's new announcement, the game making engine yeah, thing that's yeah, a spinoff from game Labo. Garage. Is that a game? Yeah, that it's looks just cute. a game engine. It looks great, actually. That looks super great. Like yeah. tangent aside, that looks fantastic. But is that a game? Is Gone Home a game? Is uh. Is is making a calculator say boobs a game? Is Guitar Hero a game? Is uh, Rocksmith a game? Is uh, like F1 racing simulators a game? Is life itself a game? <laughs> yeah, it's very, very odd. Roblox is a engine that you can build games into and there's a marketplace in which you can buy games. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't know. That's such a loaded question. And it's definitely one of those horrible things that would get brought up in court. Be like, sir, please tell me the definition. This doesn't fit in the definition of what you think is a game. Like, it's such bullshit. But yeah, I guess the question was whether or not Fortnite was listed as an app or a game on the App on Store. The that app would store. have done it. Wouldn't mm. it? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I'm, it's the kind of case where like, no matter you can't really root for either side, but I still feel like I'm leaning maybe 2% on the epic side. Because if either case, no matter which one of them wins, I don't think it's going to spell out that that differently of a situation for the rest of us. But it, it does seem like like uh, Apple is 
is is really really throwing a lot of the the artistry of game gaming under the bus every now and then with uh with stuff like this this, <laughs> this itchio inclusion being argued as a uh offensive undescribable sort of store for people in the in the jury stand who aren't going to have any idea what an itchio is yeah anyways Matt's got to leave in a little bit of a while, so we're going to skip some of the more boring news topics to go straight to listener questions, because actually, yes, stuff happened this week. Ubisoft games, we're going to call them a Ubisoft original now. You know, no time to get into that one in particular, but I foresee <laughs> a great running gag on the on the show in the future from that one. A dad and son's original. A whatever original. Yeah, Ubisoft original. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. There you go. That's the title of the episode. A dad and son original. Listener questions. First up is from Sir Rick the Nick is leading us in. If you wanna if you wanna join him, send in your, your question to dad and sons podcast at gmail.com. But join the Patreon and see all that wonderful fan art that you're missing. Well, you're not missing it because I posted Twitter. But you know what I mean. Pretty good. Join the Patreon for memes, for, for community game so days. Many for the memes. only people who still play Titanfall 2 on the internet. <laughs> that is not true, actually. <laughs> One news story we never covered was two weeks ago after the Valkyrie announcement for Apex Legends. Titanfall 2's multiplayer skyrocketed by like 600%. Or so so if you want to join the one community that is responsible for the explosive <laughs> regrowth of Titanfall 2 in recent weeks... <laughs> uh join the dad and sons patreon uh community yeah. discord get in here for listener questions such as the following th that you could also find on twitter sometimes not usually though any with the question ah! <laughs> dear dad and sons how many things are you currently consuming how many games are you in the middle of playing books in the middle of reading shows in the middle of watching etc do you make an effort to not get too involved so as to not get overwhelmed? Do you feel guilty when you realize you're not likely to finish something you started? Yes. I think we all know the answer to that last question in my regard. <laughs> not in the slightest. Yeah, more, more often than not now. I feel like I have a lot more stuff going on mm. now than I did last year. So, like, when other projects pop up and then I'm trying to finish something, I'm just not finishing. I, this is the first time... Did I actually stop playing a few games now? You know, just because, like, you get to that point where it's like, okay, this new thing came out because you got busy that you couldn't finish yeah. that game with, and now you're like, oh, I should play this new game because podcast. And oh, boy, don't I know that so well. Yeah, oh, boy, don't I know it. It's like I can't talk about the same game 20, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I started. There's a couple games I've, I've never got the chance to talk about in this podcast. I played a ROM hack as well, like for Pokemon, and that that shit was nice. fun, you know. But yeah, like I didn't get to finish it because <laughs> Ari, came out, and then I played No Man's Sky, and it's just like boom, yeah. it's done, like it's over, you know. I definitely, uh, we all know, I don't finish games that often. I play a lot of games, but I don't finish. Most of them. Uh, and that's just because I'm kind of okay with... I don't try to have too many things going on because ultimately I work a lot and I like working. Yeah. So therefore, a lot of my free time, I'm still like focusing on projects that are in the future and getting them started yeah. on top of the projects I'm doing right now. But I like that and I have a lot of other things that I do. But I try not to have too much media that I'm consuming at one time, but I'm very happy to replace something 
if I'm not particularly enjoying it to like the maximum, right? So that circle of like consuming stays the same. It's just things come in and out all the time. I was trying to watch Mythic Quest, like the uh, the sort of game dev comedy TV show that Apple Plus did with, uh, you know, uh, Rob McElroy uh, and the people from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I watched about four or five episodes of it. Episode five being a spinoff version of it, which is the best episode. Actually, that I found it really boring. So I dropped it and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to watch, you know, um, Ted Lasso instead. Or I'm going to watch, uh, once I finish that, I'm going to watch like Jujutsu Kaisen or something. And, and it's very easy to replace them. And with games, like right now, I'm really focused on Resident Evil. When that ends, it'll be back to near replicant. But if I'm not going to enjoy near replicant to the fullest until something comes out, then... I will replace that, but I'm kind of okay. I don't feel guilty as long as I'm having fun and I'm enjoying it. Then, you know, yeah. Um, the only thing I tend to go back to is I do read a lot, but I'm slow and I, I don't read often, but I do mm. read a fair amount of books, but I will drop a book halfway through and then I'll, it'll be like six months and I'll go back to it and I'll, and then I'll finish it. So with books, I do return to them, um, but mm. not in the same way as games and TV. I do miss out a lot, of, a lot of things because I don't consume a lot of things. Like I haven't watched a lot of the most popular anime in the most recent years. I haven't watched One Division. I haven't watched like The Winter Soldier and Falcon, whatever the hell. I haven't watched any of like the big medias. But I try to keep up with games at the very least. Falcon, you could skip that. One <laughs> Division yep. was good, but Falcon, okay. you can skip that. Yeah. Yep. I haven't watched any of the like all that kind of stuff is like fine for me. Like I'm I'm okay with that. Like Game of Thrones is a bit different and Breaking Bad and stuff, but you know, if I miss like major TV shows, I'm not that bothered, to be honest. Mm. George, how about you? As someone whose job it is to consume media, you watch documentaries all day. Yeah. <laughs> it it means that it sucks a lot of the enjoyment out of doing something just for fun, because even when you have something that you're doing just for fun, the thought will still constantly be crashing through your brain of, oh, this I could, could be, be making video. content, out, right? Yeah. yeah. If you make a joke to yourself, you'll be thinking, maybe I should pull out a notepad and jot that down for later. Yeah. Like, it's really, really hard to enjoy something just for the plain old sake of enjoying it. And that ultimately is what mm. it's built for. So that... Uh, makes it harder to write about it and actually make content about it later on review hell <laughs> and and also games take a really really long time so what ends up happening is that i'll latch onto one thing forever like right now it's umarangi generation ah, right. I, I sampled a bunch of little games last week and then picked the one that that i i got hung up on over this week i'm also reading through a backlog of three books right now I'm reading through a book on Buddhism, and when I finish it, I legit want to take a stab at meditating. I am also reading through the McElroy Brothers book on podcasting, which, again, is is something where I'm constantly feeling the nag to be taking notes about it or, like, posting quotes from it and uh, getting a highlighter out and... and <laughs> Ready to revamp the dead sons. <laughs> completely tear up this book as I go through. And then after that, I want to read Jason Schreier's book, uh, Press Reset, that just came out. I ordered that yesterday. And then after that, Hideo Kojima's book should be coming out. Oh, God. Oh you should God. read the Ask Awana book as well, George, if you want a bit more of a positive theming in your life. The craziest <laughs> thing is that it actually is faster going through books than video games. <laughs> 
Agreed. Agreed. Like it is it, when when you compare it to other stuff, it is unreal how much more time you can read through War and Peace in the time it takes to play any random mildly reviewed, not that classic beloved JRPG. You could play Ogre Tactic 64 or read War and Peace, and the older I get, the harder and harder it would be to justify playing Tactics Ogre 64 instead of reading something that that informs the public consciousness on a on a deep <laughs> level like like classic literature do i do i sense a, a super bunny hop revamp coming in where you just talk about documentaries <laughs> hey guys i've got loads of ideas we're gonna just have documentaries of the week yeah might not be wrong <laughs> <laughs> you know we, we i i've been been talking about turning into super yummy hop or like, like that's doing true. history videos the spinoff that we've all waited for like, like hiring a storyboarder and just, just giving the viewers history lessons like the real story of yasuke not the action figures with special powers i i have a problematic relationship with video games now you need a refresh man you need to reset your clock you need to play some pokemon rom hacks <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> and just unwind those just are good man is it just me or like like at this point, can you like like look at Pokemon and still not have your brain be like, okay, this is dog fighting? <laughs> it's funny because everyone has been talking about the Mass Effect remakes coming out, right? Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking, wow, I really like Mass Effect. It would be great to play them again. And then I think about it, and I'm like, I really don't want to do that. I don't no, want to replay really long games. If you really did not want to do that, you can turn off the improved Mako handling. <laughs> like. Like, even the stuff that we should be moving on from is still an option in there to tick that, yeah, I, I, I feel like there's a very problematic relationship people have with the difficulty and time commitments of big, long, expensive video games. Yeah. Video games are tough. This is why I I, I am a fan of, of having an easy mode in all the, the scary gamer games, you know? That conversation came up from Returnal. Oh, by the way... Didn't bring it up. I think me and Matt didn't bring it up. But Resident Evil 8, pretty easy of an experience. Pretty easy. Yeah. Pretty easy. Even on the so. normal difficulty. Pretty easy. Well, you know, you do have the options there. Mm. So it is your entire choice. Yeah. Yeah. AJ Ross has a follow up almost. Do you think video games as a hobby and a part of your life will ever end? Do you imagine nursing homes of the future filled with 80 year olds having land parties with Quake or Halo? I think. Land parties will not be a thing. Hmm. I don't think video games will never not be a part of my life. I think playing video games will diminish more, probably. Uh, it already has over the years, but making games is an entirely different thing to me. It is like the most creative and the most enjoyment I get out of life, mm. uh, <laughs> to be honest. It's what I'm entirely suited to, and I really enjoy my job. I would take my career and making games and the process of making games over ever playing games. So I can still see that aspect. The games industry is so exciting, and that is just outside of playing games. So I don't think that will go away for me, but playing games, I mean, give or take, I don't know. Do you think anything will happen when your reflexes like really start to go to shit? Because, like, to some certain extent, like, yeah. it's, it's inevitable almost. Like, But I think about that, and I think about, like, I, I, had, I used to have dreams about losing a finger or losing a hand and not being able to play games and that affecting mm -hmm. me 
playing games. The 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 answer to that is I, I would just make games that would then play with one hand, <laughs> right? Honestly, that would be like somebody, a friend of mine, Jake Casdell, who runs Seventeen Bit. Um, he made Galaxy and he made Skulls of the Shogun, two really good indie games. And like his philosophy was just like make the games you want to play. Don't make games what you think other people want, right? Just make the games you want to play. He's like the best games ever are the games I made because they are perfectly molded to my taste. And they are my games. I, they are the games I want to play. And I feel like if that happened, then I would totally just be making games that I want to play with whatever limited capacity I have, right? So, yeah, I yeah. never even thought about that. Like what a developer would do if they lost their fingers in an accident or something. But it is a relatable problem. Like uh, there's the Def Leppard drummer who lost his arm and still had a successful career afterwards. I always think of uh, Sakurai, of course, right? Who... It's well known he has like really severe wrist problems. Like I think he has pretty bad arthritis from playing Smash Brothers all the time. And the way he <laughs> plays games now is kind of like to put the controller flat on the ground. Curse. Yeah, and like you know, use it kind of like with his hands like this. You see him use two controllers all the time and stuff like that. The guy's a maniac. But you know, he was unable to play the game to the point where he quit. And he was like, I can't make Smash Brothers games anymore for like four years or something. So, you know, these things happen and you just sort of like you try to get over them or try to think. But I think playing games is very different to making games. If I lost a hand and I couldn't play Resident Evil, still not going to stop me from playing Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone or something, is it? Or or tactics games. There's always going to be games that you enjoy and stuff. The reflexes really scare me, though. Like, I worry that at some point I'm not going to be able to play multiplayer competitive games. Like, I'm just not going to be able to keep up with the kids in a few more years. I seriously, I I have nightmares about that. I feel like I can't keep up with the kids now. I don't even want to. I feel it happening. You know, it's scary. I'd love to play just, you know, the three of us, you know, multiplayer together. It just would feel like the level playing field, right? I, mm. Like even Yo, if it's you'll not, pick King DDD and and do the <laughs> hammer thing. Yeah, okay, that's different. But you know, like when we played Titanfall with the community, joking about it, we were terrible, right? We were awful compared to those yeah. guys. Well, there were like two of them who dedicate themselves. That was a bit more. That was like I remember. Four. I think I was okay. Yeah, you were better than me, and Matt was also pretty good <laughs> as well, right? So, but we were like. And I don't think it's an age thing. I just, you know, if you don't play those games often, like it's not yeah. going to happen. But was it a problem? Did, no. Did we still have fun? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. George, you don't like losing. That we, is. We need a. That is a truth. of War tournament in the Discord. And then we can, we can really see. There you go. Then Matt can shine out, right? Uh, I'll have to dust off my, my old hands. <laughs> What game did I keep winning at? Oh, it was a Jackbox, <laughs> the trivia murder mystery. Oh like I'll, I'll just, I'm, I'll just go pro in the trivia mystery murder party. <laughs> the one, the one where you have to make a presentation for investors is oh, that like that's so my good. MLG <sighs> Pro esports gamer moment right there. My APM at that Jackbox game where you have to make a presentation to experts is is leet. That's God, what the that kids was... say, right? Oh my God, was... I'm so old. Oh man, uh, I don't know. What about you guys? You, because George, you're a bit different. Matt, you play games recreationally, of course, mostly, but also for the podcast. Mm. Like, but you play a lot of games, right? So it is quite a part of your week, or it's a part of your daily routine. Can you imagine that not being there? 
Yeah, I could imagine some of it not being there. Like, I would like to play a game every once in a while, though. Like, it doesn't have to be every day. Um, And I don't play every day now because I just get wrapped up into, like, a project or something. And I just kind of like the satisfaction of of, of doing that. But every once in a while, it's like, oh, I want to play a game. I haven't played a game in a while, you know. Um, Yeah, I I can imagine it not being there. But I would still have to have an outlet to be creative, though. Like, I feel like kind of that's attached in some way. I'm just like either seeing something creative or doing something creative. Yeah, I have to have one of them, you know. But I always have to be creative, though, I feel. I can live without the, the games. I, I have nightmares about being a wrinkly old man. <laughs> I, I think VR would be in, in, in homes. I, I I have nightmares about about being an old man still playing Resident Evil Four. Like, yeah, like idolizing the, right. the the youth of these adventurers and their 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 campy, dangerous stunts. That I, I just worry about not being able to identify with the characters in the game like that. I, I really worry about seeing Leon jump out through a window and somersault onto the ground and thinking to myself, even if I did get ripped over the summer, I'll never be able to even come close to that again. Mm-hmm. But it's fine because at least you could try it. Unlike Liam Kennedy, who is a fictional video game character. The thought processes that go into your head that think something is cool like that. I feel like there's still a layer of relatability. Like you are inserting yourself into an action hero. And I worry that I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. Once I like hit 40 or 50. Like any action heroes in their their stunts, or I'm no longer going to be able to dis- suspend my disbelief over stuff. I worry about that. I really do. It does actually scare me. I never really see myself as a as a a swole white guy that I mostly play in these games. Hmm. I don't know. That is <laughs> probably actually an interesting way of, of differentiating it. You know, it's not like I'm identifying. Oh, now I just remember Ethan Winter's face, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm playing this dumb white guy, and he looks more like me than, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Do you, do you imagine yourself as Ben Shapiro, Liam? <laughs> uh, see, I, I never got role-playing. I, I, I don't ever think of myself as the characters, right? The character is the character, and the character, if it's meant to be like a role-playing character where you sort of, you know, Envisioning yourself as a part of that character and it doesn't talk or whatever. I just always find that really boring. I'm like, I'm Liam. <laughs> they are the character. <laughs> even, even if you're not necessarily role playing, like there's still a bit of commercial appeal to it. Like you're still meant mm. to think Leon Kennedy's a cool character who. Yeah, I do, but I'm thinking like near replicant, right? Where you name the character and the character has your name, but the character has a, 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 its own voice, its own personality, its own responses, and it's an entirely different character. And it's not definitely, you. definitely their own fashion sense. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Oh, oh. Who, who, who really knows how how we dress when you know we're we're off the show? Because it's all audio. It's not like they could see us anyway. We're all naked but, um, right now. Mm-hmm. We as soon as we said we're the words naked. "Lady Dimitres," clothes flew off. Everything, everything just shed off. Yeah, just shed off. And you know, her final form. Oof! What a babe. That that is wrong, Liam. <laughs> when when having to make horrific pictures about what we will look like as wrinkly old men who may still care too much about video games, and whether or not video games will still be around and whether or not the podcast will still be around 
I would like to leave our viewers with the thought of, of thinking on what they'll do with the next chapter of their life after this episode ends. Which is right now.